Annette Martin, world-famous psychic detective, medical intuitive, ghost detective, and author, brings you... Annette Martin's Psychic World. You may have seen her on television, heard her on hundreds of radio shows, or even read her books. Here she is, live on... Annette Martin's Psychic World. Welcome, I'm Annette Martin. Annette Martin's Psychic World is produced and broadcast by Zeus Radio Network for HearWomenTalk.com. And for the next hour, we will create a place to enlighten, entertain, and empower you. We can talk about everything except police cases. I only work with the police directly pertaining to missing persons. So if you do have a police case, please contact me by email at Annette at CloseForYou.com. Well, our phone lines are open at 646-652-2071, where you can ask our guest a question or ask for my psychic impressions about your life. And remember to give us your first name and only one question per caller. Well, my guests will be authors and experts from the field of alternative health, some artists, metaphysics, life coaches, psychologists, spirituality, astrology, paranormal phenomena, ghost hunting, plus live on-air psychic readings by yours truly. Life can be mysterious and challenging at times, so perhaps with the help of our guest and myself, we can shed a little white light on your life. Our lines are open at 646-652-2071, or you can write a note in our chat room. Our special guest today is publisher and author Steve Matee, founder of Quill Driver Books and The Right Thought. He is the author of the Fast Track course on how to write a non-fiction book proposal, which has been adopted for use in university courses. He serves on the board of the Independent Book Publishers Association. Steve Matee regularly consults on and teaches writing and publishing. During his time at the helm of Quill Driver Books, two titles went into Book of the Month Club selections and one onto the New York Times bestseller list. In 2008, Steve Matisse sold Quill Driver Books but still acts as acquisitions editor and as such is always in the market for exceptional non-fiction manuscripts. He has published scads of non-fiction articles and is working on a book on fundraising and a novel set in the first century. And now it gives me great pleasure to welcome my special guest, publisher and author, Steve Matee. Welcome, Steve. Thank you, Nanette. Nanette, thanks for having me here. Well, it is such a delight to have you on the show today. And you know, I have to tell a secret to everyone that you are my publisher as well for my biography, Gift of the White Light, which is a bestseller on Amazon.com in hardback and on Kindle and also on Barnes & Noble. So I am so excited about that. 
Well, yeah, you know, thank you. I am too. I love to have bestsellers. Yeah, that's for sure. You know, what I'd like you to do is maybe tell us a little bit more about yourself and Quill Driver Books and your book publishing career. Sure. Well, let's see. I started my uh, working career as a wholesaler of wines. I have a wholesale wine business, and then that went defunct, and I opened up restaurants for a few years and hated that because that's for people who want to work harder than I do. <laughs> and I then went into printing because... Uh, I don't know, I thought everybody needed printing, and I did that for 12 years, uh, and then when I sold that, I, I went into book publishing. I mean, it's obvious with that kind of background, I'd go into book publishing, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> or maybe not. <laughs> a little different. What happened was I had a midlife crisis. I was I wasn't being creative. You know, I, I'd get up in the morning, and I'd say to myself, although I didn't run the presses, the printing presses or anything, I'd say to myself, oh, another day of putting ink on paper, woo, this will be fun, <laughs> and, and I, I was miserable, and what I was miserable about was that I wasn't being creative, I, I have a, uh, what isn't obvious is I have a degree in journalism, and I, uh, at the time, was writing for things like Indies, Indies Child, and uh, Quick Printing Magazine, and other business periodicals, and some newspaper stuff, but I wasn't, I just didn't feel like I was fulfilled, so I decided that I would I would go into book publishing, and uh, the rest is history. Oh, very good. Oh, well, I'm so glad that you did do that. <laughs> it, it's well, been absolutely wonderful. <laughs> it's, a, you, it's the best industry in the world. I love it. You know, we have a caller on the line. Um, let's go over to the caller, and her name is Shalmina. I, pre I presume that's how she pronounced it. Hi, Shalmina. Hi, hello. How are Thank you? you yes, I'm and fine. good. And do you have a question for our guest, Steve Mati? Yes, you are doing readings, right? Oh, and I'm so, so you wanted to have a reading? Yes. yes. Okay, I am doing readings as well. Okay. All right. And what is your question? Um, my question is regarding the relationship, and I'm just curious if you see anyone new entering. If I see anyone coming into your life? Yes. Yes. Um, you know, I don't see anybody coming for maybe towards the end of this year. That would probably be around December time frame. Mm -hmm. That's when I see someone coming into your life, okay, as a relationship. Okay, it doesn't look like a long-term relationship? It looks like it may be, but it could be a little bit rocky in the beginning. And so mm -hmm. don't, don't put a lot of um, uh, emphasis in there into the relationship that you really, really want it to work, okay? Uh, take it more as a friendship and then let it kind of develop and grow. And I, I think that will be the best thing for you. Okay, Shalimar. Thank you so much for calling in. Thank you. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Well, Steve, you know, I know that being an independent book publisher, <clears throat> fighting for success against the established New York publishers is really a tough business. Boy, that's the truth. Uh, <laughs> the, 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 big, the big book publishers buy uh, the shelf space in the bookstores, and they can afford to do that kind of stuff. The independent publishers, although we've over the you know fifteen years I've been doing this, have bought bookshelf space. Uh, we really don't have the money for it. 
so we've got to fight on some other other battlegrounds. I was I was at a uh, a writers conference one time, and and a fellow from an editor. We were on a panel. There was one end of the panel, and and uh, an editor was at the from Harper Collins. Oops, I named it. Was from the, <laughs> was at the other end of the. That's all right. To do that, can we bleep that out? Uh, at any rate, uh, I won't name him. How about that? Was at Good. the other end of of, of the uh, table, and and uh, somebody got up in the audience and said that they had a, a a a book that they didn't think was real strong, and maybe it wasn't written real well or something. And he had some advice. He suggested that uh, if you've got a book that is weak and and you know, for whatever reason, uh, you're not going to be able to market much, or it's not very well written, or it's a subject nobody wants to uh, read about, or there's way too many books on it. You should maybe try a small independent publisher. See if you can't get them to publish it. Uh-huh. Well, I, I just, I was just fuming. Uh, by the time I got the microphone, which was you know 30 minutes later, I said, "Listen, I, I you know, my esteemed colleague at the other end, uh, that's where you send your weak manuscripts." What a small independent publisher uh, competes on is, is quality. Uh, if we don't have quality, we don't have anything. Uh, we're not going to we're not going to buy you spots on TV. We're not going to buy you radio spots. Uh, the quality of the product is going to have to speak for itself. If you've got a weak manuscript, take it to a large publisher because they maybe you know they can put money behind it. Uh, he didn't talk to me the rest of the, of the uh, conference. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. I bet. Well, you really called him on it, and I think you were absolutely right in doing that because that is so true. I mean, a- as an independent book publisher, you have to have a good story or a, a very good book that's going to help sell itself. It, it, and then, of course, the author, as I know from personal experience, <laughs> and, yeah, and yes, yeah <laughs> that you you have to go out there and you have to help sell the book. You, you really, really have to go out. Out there and do that. So, if we have any people who are, are listening today who uh, would like to be a um, an author and have their book published, please do call in and and give us a call at six four six six five two two zero seven one and ask uh, Steve some questions because he knows what it's all about. You know, I have if another I don't, question. I'll take it. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just kidding. Oh, uh, what you now? What is the biggest challenge that that you have facing a publisher or an author? You know, it's the same. It's the same for publishers and authors, and that's this is as true for a, 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 a New York publisher as, as well as an independent. Quill Driver Books is a national and international independent publisher, by the way, because I started to say a national publisher. But the big the big challenge is getting noticed. Uh, last year there were 700,000. Are you sitting down? 700,000 books published. And wow! The largest Barnes and Noble, the largest Barnes and Noble in the nation, might carry 200,000, maybe a little more. Different titles. It's huge. Uh, and they have everything that uh, John D. McDonald ever wrote, and Stephen King, and, and others mm-hmm. in that 200,000. So there's a very small, slim. Uh, section of shelf space that that you can actually get onto the shelf in, um, and of course everybody's clamoring for media coverage. Uh, seven hundred thousand authors, authors of seven hundred thousand books, would love to be on this uh, on this radio talk show, and it, they obviously can't. Uh, so getting noticed is really the big the big uh, uh, challenge. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how do and you do that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, running naked in the streets helps, uh, but if you don't want to, if you don't want to do that, uh, you you can uh, today. It's easier today to get noticed because you can blog. This is the blogosphere. If you don't like blogging and, and you don't want to do it every day, you can interact on other people's blogs. You do definitely need a website so when people hear about you, they'll. Uh, they'll be able to go to your website and find out more about you and about your book. Um, and just as today, as in past times, uh, most of the marketing is, is left up to the author uh, of a book. A lot of people are surprised to find that out. Uh, publishers do other, have other things they do, uh, but basic marketing is about uh, is, is the author. Right, Somebody and, and what... What I have found, uh, I have a page on Facebook, and I do a lot of marketing through Facebook and also go on Twitter, and um, there you can go on MySpace, and if you have any videos, you can go on YouTube. So there are all kinds of different places where you can get free advertising and get yourself out there, which I have found has helped me tremendously. And you know, the other thing that I do uh, is that I will uh, send emails to different radio shows and of course there's scads of radio shows out there and especially on the internet and I just tell them what I've got and what I'm doing and I have a book and uh, I would like to be a guest and that's one of the things you know that I have found Steve is that a lot of the authors are kind of timid about doing that right that's, yeah, which is too bad. And one of the things you can do as an author is start slow, get one or two radio uh, shows under your belt, and get comfortable with it, and then expand out into more. Um, you know, uh, it's not that tough. You just stand and talk on a telephone, uh, right? For however long. <laughs> um, that I think is part of the problem. One of, one of the things that is the problem is the person who can who sits down and writes is often too introspective and too, with another word, Annette, uh, quiet, and they're not used to going out into the public as much as perhaps a performer. Uh, exactly. Yourself, you know, you're, you're comfortable in an audience of any size. Uh, that's not always true with an author who, you know, is spending uh, his or her time at the keyboard. Uh, so they've kind of got to lose that, that uh, they've got to get over that hurdle. Right. I, I absolutely agree with you. And, you know, we're going to have to take a short break. And so if you are on the line, please do hold on because we're going to be right back with more questions for our guest publisher and author, Steve Matee. This is Paul Trulove on Zeus Radio Network for HearWomenTalk.com. Are you spending more time than you want booking appointments for your business? Optimize.com can free you up from answering phones, booking appointments, and rescheduling. All these clerical duties can be automated for you with Optimize.com. Optimize.com seamlessly integrates with your website and manages all your appointment scheduling and rescheduling. You and your customers will receive reminders by email and text messages. Optimize.com supports your business needs, whether you have one-on-one appointments, classes, workshops, or seminars. Sign up with Optimize.com for our 30-day free trial. That's Octo. 
M-I-Z-E dot com. That's galore. Visit our store at 4822 Highway 17 at Barefoot Landing. We have the largest source of hats in the greater Grand Strand area. Tilly, Stetson, Indiana Jones, Wallaroo, Top Hats, Mad Hatter, Derbies, Felts, Fedoras, Cowboy, Golfer, Driver. Life is good. We carry a large selection of women's fashion hats as well as Red Hat Society hats. We also have an assortment of umbrellas, canes, and walking sticks. Hats Galore, located at Barefoot Landing in North Myrtle Beach. We are the best source for hats in the Grand Strand area. Hats Galore at Barefoot.com. Hi, I'm Annette Martin, hostess of Annette Martin's Psychic World. Now, you may have seen me on television or heard me on the radio as a psychic detective, medical intuitive, and ghost detective. To have a private reading with me, all you have to do is go to annette-martin.com. Look for the button in the upper left-hand corner of the homepage that says, Make an Appointment. annette Dash Martin.com. Hi, this is Michelle with LaBellamy Vineyard. You're listening to Hear Women Talk Radio and the Zeus Radio Network. Welcome back to Annette Martin's Psychic World. We've been talking to our guest, publisher and author, Steve Matee. And just to let you know, our lines are open at 646-652-2071. Or you can come into our chat room and write us a question. We do have someone on the line, though, Steve. So let's go to her first. Hello, Anna. Hello. How are you, Annette? I am fine. And you are from New Jersey? I am from New Jersey, yes. Okay. And do you have a question? Yes, I have a question for you. Um, I'd like for you to tell me where you see a relationship going between Andrew and myself. Okay, between you and Andrew. Oh, boy. It, It feels really up and down. I get a lot of up and downs going on. And I, you know, Anna, one of the things that I'm picking up is that you both are on a different page. And Uh let me kind of explain what I mean by that. You have your ideas of what something is, and he has his ideas of what something is. And so the twain Uh doesn't meet. (laughs) And, and you know, when you have that kind of situation, it is very, very difficult to have a close relationship with someone. Okay. So, yeah, so my feeling is that it, it, it seems to be getting worse instead of better. Is that true? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, kind of, it's, but we still see each other. So. Mm-hmm. Uh. Well, you know what I would suggest is that you just be friends. That's uh-huh. what I suggest. Uh, I I don't see it going anywhere. I don't see it becoming a marriage. I see. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right, Anna. Okay, and good Thank luck. You. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye bye. Bye bye. Okay. Well, Steve. Uh, you know the book publishing world is changing so rapidly now. Do you think that's good or bad? 
Oh boy, it sure is changing rapidly. You know, the uh, it's to me it's exactly like when Gutenberg invented the printing press, and all of a sudden, well, normal people, people who didn't have a lot of money, could get a book. Today we've got all the internet, and all the blogosphere. We have e-readers, we have e-books, we have digital print-on-demand books. It's it's a huge, easy way to get information, and cheaper, a cheaper way to get information than than it used to be. And you get more information as well. Um, I think in that sense it's it's good. It's really good, but it's confusing, and because it's huge, uh, you know, you get lost and lost in the mix. And because it's huge, um, uh, you have to weed out what you want to read or what you, the information you want to you want to get to or you want. Um, there's a lot of nostalgia for the book, you know, the printed book. But printed books are never going to go away. Um, and a lot of people are fighting the e-reader like iPad or Kindle. Uh, they don't, you know, they say, I'll never, I'm never going to get one. I've got news for them. In two years, they're all going to have one. <laughs> Uh, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. No, I don't. (laughs) I don't. But your book is one of the best sellers on Kindle. That you need to get a (laughs) e-reader. I know. (laughs) And it's amazing because I have a lot of people emailing me and calling me, and my clients who are coming into the office saying, "Oh, I read your book on Kindle, and I just loved it." And I'm going, "Oh my gosh, that's great!" It's, it's always it's always on on the uh, uh, top bestsellers. Uh, the gift of white lights right up there all the time on the Kindle. Yes. Uh, maybe maybe your maybe your listeners and the people that know you are more uh, hep than than the average bear. You know, I think that's very true. Uh, I think that's very true. And, and what they tell me is so easy to do, and they just download it and and they can read it, um, you know, on their iPads, and they just love it. So I had dinner this, next to an older woman yesterday, and she had a uh, 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 magnifying glass that she was using and uh, to read. And I said, you know, you ought to get yourself one of these e-readers because you can make the, the uh, type as large as you want. And uh, you can read books or newspapers or anything. She looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> but, really? you know, some, someday somebody will show her one of those and she'll understand why she doesn't uh, need that uh, uh, magnifying right. glass anymore to read. Right, right, right. Well, it is very exciting, and, and I was so excited to see Gift of the White Light on the Kindle and doing so well. Me too. <laughs> I think that's terrific that it's doing so well in print, but it's doing so well in, in uh, the e-version. It's amazing. Yes. Yeah, and you, you know, know it's not have... amazing. You know it's not amazing. You know why it's not amazing? Because you have the right publisher. Absolutely, I do. (laughs) And and I'll tell you what, the the brilliant thing I did was that Jim Fry, who actually wrote your biography, uh, The Gift of the White Light, is a wonderful writer. uh, And I've known him him for years. I knew he was such a great writer uh, that when he he, uh, pitched the book to me, even though I didn't know you, I knew that it would be a great book. Uh, You know. And of course, when I learned, when I met you and learned of your story, I said, oh boy. (laughs) <laughs> of course, and I, I know you helped him write that book. Uh, to a I great did. As well, 
Yes, I did. Uh, I wrote it in first person, and then he took it and wrote it into third person, coming from a skeptic's point of view, which was absolutely perfect. You know, (laughs) absolutely perfect. And he is such a a curmudgeon. I mean, he's such a character. I love him. And uh, it it came across so well. And, you know, we have 45 five-star reviews on Amazon. and it. People just love it and just love the way he wrote it about me. And and so I am just thrilled. I, I cannot tell you how thrilled I am about Gift of the White Light. Well, we've got another caller here, and we've got Tammy from Pennsylvania. Hi, Tammy. Hi, Annette. How are you? I'm uh, great. I have, okay, wonderful. I have, well, we're probably doing better than me, but I'm going to tell you about the situation here. I have this neighbor. He's just low energy, evil. The, the guy has just spun out of control. There's, uh, he's definitely disturbed. I was wondering if you know when he's, when things will get better, possibly when he'll get arrested, when I can get my life back and my sanity and my peace and my home. Well, you know, it looks really difficult. First of all, can you tell me his first name? His name is Paul. His name is Paul. Okay, Paul has some great emotional difficulties. And that is the problem with your neighbor. And so the only thing you can do is you're just going to have to wait for him to do something really, really stupid uh, so that you can call the police on him. But I don't see you being able to get him to move or I don't see you being able to, you know, call the police and just say that this guy's a little crazy. I know. He's being protected. He's being yeah. protected by not all, but certain police officers. I don't want to say all are corrupt. I have some really good officers here. It's just, um, you know, they're taking bribes from him and, and let him get away with this. Well, um you know, I'm sad to say, Tammy, that does go on, and, and uh, there's nothing that you can do about that, absolutely nothing. So either you're going to have to move or you're going to have to wait until he does something really, really stupid, and they're going to have to arrest him, okay? Yes, so that's well, thank the, you very much. You're welcome, yeah. and, and so hang in there. Oh, okay, I Tammy. See you doing thank you. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Well, you know, Steve, since we were, we've were we been talking about the book publishing, um, how do you see the future of book publishing going? And what do you think we should look for? Well, the um, future of book publishing is bright. Uh, if any of the authors out there that are listening uh, need to understand that content will remain king, So, meaning that they're they're in the catbird seat. Uh, they're running they're running the show, uh, and that that'll be true with when uh, you know ten years, twenty years, thirty years from now. If you've got good material, it's going to sell, and you're going to be able to get it published. You know what's going to happen in the book industry? It's going to be more about how they're delivered than it is about what's being written. Uh, if I want to address what's being written, I'd say that it's that. Uh, we're going to have to sh- do shorter books. People have a, a shorter uh, attention span today because of the millions of things that are hitting on them, so shorter shorter books. I think that books that are conversational, you know, when uh, 
don't mean to keep talking about your book, but when you read your book, it's just a fun read. You feel like you're sitting in a room with somebody, uh, hearing them talk. And I think more books need to be that way. I think textbooks ought to be that way. We'd have uh, we'd have more high school students actually picking up their book and reading it because it's fun. Uh, but the delivery is the big thing. They're going to for them. They're going to be delivered a number of ways. They're always going to be printed books, and uh, the best, the big, biggest books, uh, meaning the bigger sellers, are going to be printed in hard co- in, in uh, hard copies, you know, paperback or a hard. A cover book and put into a, a warehouse of a publisher like they are today and ship to stores upon demand. Uh, but m- many books are never going to see a warehouse. They're going to be printed on demand. Uh, and I'll, the thing that's interesting is they're going to be printed on demand while you wait. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're familiar with waiting for getting your pictures developed, that's very much the way it's going to be. Today you can go to the drugstore or Costco or someplace and and drop off your uh, film and get pictures developed. And of course, if they're uh, uh, digital photographs, you can send them over the uh, uh, internet to the drugstore and have prints made. The same thing's going to happen with books. There's going to be a book machine that you'll either go to the book machine and call up the book you want to uh, want to buy, or you'll order it over the internet. So it'll be waiting for you when you get to the wherever it is you want to pick it up, the bookstore, the drugstore, or the Costco, and um, uh, the book will just be printed and trimmed and bound and and uh, spit out. You pick it up and it'll look like a regular book. It'll have a cover color, co- color cover on it, uh, and, and etc. Just as if uh, you bought it off the shelf at a bookstore. Right, I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, we're going to have to stop and take a short break. So if you are on the line, please do hold on. And we're going to be right back with our guest, publisher and author, Steve Matee. Hi, this is Judy Collins from Judy's House of Oldies. And you're listening to Hear Women Talk Radio on the Zeus Radio Network. Hi. I'm psychic detective and medical intuitive Annette Martin. You may have seen me on television, radio, or YouTube, where some of my TV shows are playing. During the course of the past 40 years, I've done readings for people across the globe on every aspect of their lives, including their health. If you need help with your concerns, please go to Annette-Martin.com and set up an appointment. Look for the button in the upper left-hand corner of the homepage that says, Make an Appointment. That's Annette-Martin.com. Attention boppers, shaggers, and swingers. Join us at the J.B. Floyd Community Center in North Myrtle Beach, Wednesdays at 7 p.m. for the fast-paced excitement of the Swing Syndicate. Study the swing styles of Jitterbug, Double Time, Lindy, West Coast, East Coast, and Show. Sure to be a big hit on the Grand Strand. That's the Swing Syndicate, Wednesdays, 7 o'clock, at the J.B. Floyd Community Center in North Myrtle Beach, 1030 Possum Trot Road, Wednesdays, 7 o'clock. Are you spending more time than you want booking appointments for your business optimize.com can free you up from answering phones booking appointments and rescheduling all these clerical duties can be automated for you with optimize.com optimize.com seamlessly integrates with your website and manages all your appointment scheduling and rescheduling 
You and your customers will receive reminders by email and text messages. Optimize.com supports your business needs, whether you have one-on-one appointments, classes, workshops, or seminars. Sign up with Optimize.com for our 30-day free trial. That's Octo. M-I-Z-E dot com. Hi, this is Michelle with LaBellamy Vineyard. You're listening to Hear Women Talk Radio and the Zeus Radio Network. Welcome back to Annette Martin's Psychic World. We've been talking to our guest, publisher, and author, Steve Matee. And if you are on the line, do hold on. I'll get to you just in a moment. And if you would like to call in, our lines are 646-652-2071. Or you can write a note in our chat room, and I can read that over the air. So, Steve, you know... I know that you've had a New York Times bestseller. Now, how did that happen? Oh, great. You gave me a chance to blow my own horn. Terrific. (laughs) Well, um, you know, I want to first point out that, uh, because uh, it's uh, appropriate, I guess, that a New York Times bestseller is like winning the Oscar uh, in the book industry. It's a tough, it's a tough thing to do. And, and besides uh, that, the, the people who vote on you are the public, so it's a little harder than just making sure that the Academy uh, votes for you. Um, now, having said that, um, it was simple, and I'll tell you why it was simple. It was because the uh, author of this book, Dr. Peter H. Gott, is uh, a columnist uh, syndicated by United Media in 350 newspapers all over the nation, daily. So he had wow. a huge following, including me, because he was in the Fresno Bee, my hometown paper, and I would read him every day. And he had a, has a column, kind of like a Dear Abby column, where you write in and ask him a question, and he answers it, and then he goes on to the next question and answers that. And he had this wonderful, warm uh, way of talking to people. I think that's why he has such a huge following. And he's not uh, he's not the knee-jerk physician who answers uh, uh, with you know, uh, for instance, he, he's he's homeopathic. I mean, he he believes in taking care of of your health from the beginning. He is not against uh, uh, other than the. Steve, are you there? I. Hello, Steve. I think maybe we might have lost Steve. Okay. Well, you know, while we're getting him back on the line, let's go over to Wendy from Canada. Hello, Wendy. Hi, Annette. Hi. Do you have a question for me? Uh, yes. I I met someone named Matt, and I'm wondering what you see uh, coming up for us as a relationship. Okay, so you met a fellow by the name of Matt, M-A-T-T? Yes. Okay. Um, Well, yeah, you know, (laughs) I'm getting some very nice feelings uh, from Matt. Uh, I do think, though, he's a little shy. Okay. Have you noticed that? Well, 
I I don't know. I haven't seen him in a month. Um, he said he'd call me. Mm-hmm. He hasn't called. Mm-hmm. So. And he hasn't called. Okay. Um, I think probably the problem is that he's a little shy. That that's what I'm getting. Okay. okay. But I think he was attracted to you. I think he was very attracted to you. And so, do you have his number at all? No, I don't. You don't have his number. Okay, well, then you're probably just going to have to wait. But, you know, I do think that he will call you at some point in time, but I think it's going to take probably, oh, maybe a month or, or, or yeah, maybe two months down the road for him to call you. That long. Yeah, that long. I'm sorry, Wendy, but you know, sometimes it takes a little while for people to really um, decide what it is they're going to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. So I think that uh, you're you're going to really talk to him again, and I think that something might happen. Is he in a different area from where you are living? Yes, he is. He's in a different town. In a different town, yeah. That's the sense that I got, that it was, uh, there was a distance between the two of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, what I want you to do is to kind of hang in there and don't keep yourself from going out, though. I mean, be sure and uh, go out and do things with your friends and meet other people, all right? Don't just wait for Matt to call you. Because you will meet some other people as well. And you need to be a little bit more outgoing yourself. I feel that you're, you kind of hold back sometimes, okay? All right. Okay, Wendy. Thank you so much for calling. And we're going to take a short break after. And uh, if you are on the line, please do hold on. And we'll be right back with Annette Martin's Psychic World. This is Paul Trulov on Zeus Radio Network for HearWomenTalk.com. Are you hungry and looking for something delicious and healthy, convenient, quick, and value-packed? Check out our favorite, Jimmy Sabachi. Everything is sizzling and cooked precisely to order, and they use only the freshest ingredients, including sterling silver premium meats. Try their $5 daily lunch chicken plate with fried rice and veggies, or check out their Korean beef lunch plate with sesame and soy and just a slight touch of sweetness. Mmm. For dinner, try their mouth-watering salmon, mahi-mahi, scallops, or tender, juicy filet mignon. You can dine in or take out, and they even have a drive-up window. Jimmy Sabachi delivers, too. Open seven days a week from 11 a.m. to 10.30 p.m., conveniently located in Myrtle Beach on the corner of Kings Highway and 62nd Avenue North. Call ahead with your order at 839-8008 and download their discount coupon on the hearwomentalk.com website. Scrumptious, fast, healthy, satisfying, and reasonably priced. You'll love Jimmy's Hibachi, 839-8008. Hi, I'm Annette Martin, hostess of Annette Martin's Psychic World. Now, you may have seen me on television or heard me on the radio as a psychic detective, medical intuitive, and ghost detective. 
To have a private reading with me, all you have to do is go to annette-martin.com. Look for the button in the upper left-hand corner of the homepage that says, Make an Appointment. annette-martin.com. Tonight, take an adventure on the Myrtle Beach Ghost Walk. Explore the haunted swamps where alligators and the ghosts from long ago still reside. Stroll across floating walkways beneath the Spanish moss as your pirate guide leads you by lantern and shares 13 spooky tales along the way. The Ghost Walk departs nightly at dusk, only at Barefoot Landing in North Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Call 843-361-2700 or visit MyrtleBeachGhostWalk.com for advanced tickets. The Myrtle Beach Hi, this is Judy Collins from Judy's House of Oldies, and you're listening to Hear Women Talk Radio on the Zeus Radio Network. to Annette Martin's Psychic World. We've been talking to our guest, publisher and author, Steve Matee, and we have Steve on the line. We had a little blip there for a minute, but Steve, I know that you're out there. <laughs> we I were... Am. Yes. You know, <clears throat> one of the questions that people are always asking me is how does someone convince a publisher that his or her book is worthy of being published? Well, uh, the formal way and, and the way that the best chance that you have unless you're famous or you uh, have a brother-in-law who's a publisher is to use what's called a book proposal and a book proposal I happen to have written a book on uh, the fast track course on how to write a non-fiction book proposal a book proposal has information in it the publisher needs to know uh, before they agree to publish a book a lot of times people say to me, I don't have to have a book proposal. I've already written the book. But publishers don't have, you know, the eight or twelve hours it takes to read every book that's presented to them. Uh, so they, and they don't, and of course your manuscript doesn't have information about who you are, why you're the person to write it. It doesn't, uh, uh, have who the comp, who the competition is or any other of the supporting matter that goes into a book proposal. But one of the big things that works for writing a book proposal is when you write a book proposal and you do a good job of it, the uh, editor, or if you choose to to use an agent, a literary agent, uh, to find you a, a publisher, uh, and you approach a literary agent the same way you do an editor, they know that you're willing to jump through the hoops, that you're a professional and you're going to pre- uh, present this project and deal with this project as a professional. Uh, so that's the best way. And, and actually, there's a... Uh, that works for novels as well. Well, yeah, I, I know, uh, because I have been asked that question too, you know, and uh, always having to write out some type of a book proposal. Now, what um, your fast-track course on how to write a nonfiction book proposal has been adopted for use in university courses. Wow, that is great. Yeah, I, I, I love that. Uh, UCLA and uh, I've seen DePaul using it. Uh, UCLA was the first one that adopted. I think what happens is these professors know each other and they talk. And and, and besides, my book is short. Uh, I used to hold up an, another book. There were two other books when I wrote mine on how to write a book proposal. And I'd hold it up at a writer's conference and I'd tell people they have to read this 200-page book. And you'd you'd see them grimace. I mean, you could say you could see that they'd say, "Oh, boy, I, you know, I have to write." <laughs> Uh, you know, I have to read 200 pages to write a 15-page proposal, and it wasn't getting used. 
so what I did was was I wrote one that's much much shorter uh, has all I hope it has everything you need to know including uh, the first part uh, what I call first things which is an introduction to the industry so you don't sound like you don't know what you're doing uh, and it uh, it's been a good success it's, I've been uh, pleased with how well it's selling how well that's it's fantastic that, that is yeah, just great it is yeah, and you know, you I, know I love authors. They're my uh, authors, writers are my favorite people. Uh, they're my heroes. I'd rather meet somebody who wrote the movie script than the actor who acted in it. Uh, and uh, they're new authors. It feels to to a new author like it's a really closed industry that they can't get into it, that they can't break in. But that's just hogwash. Every day somebody breaks in and has a you know Stephanie Myers two years ago nobody had ever heard of her, and she wrote the Twilight series. I mean. Uh, everyday great authors with great ideas break in and get published. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think that's great. And, you know, one of your books that uh, you have published has been translated into 15 languages. Now, how did oh, that happen? Right. Well, you know, that's a fun story because uh, uh, I usually tell people when they call me to send me a book proposal, uh, because they can't, we can't have a long enough conversation on the phone. And yet, I know what I'm saying to them is, you know, uh, go back to the drawing board and start all over again. And this woman called me from Southern California, and she said uh, she had a book, and you know, I talked to her for a little bit. And and I that day, I thought, you know, I'm just going to tell her to write a book proposal. She's never going to get around to writing a book proposal. She's never going to get around to writing her, uh, getting her book published. Um, and she, she said it was a short book. So I said, well, you know, just just send me what you've got. That, that's fine. I, and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I can reject it from that <laughs> as quickly as I can reject <laughs> it from a book proposal. And she won't have to go through the hoops. Uh, and because she told me it was this, it was a business management book about twin, uh, identical twins, not identical brothers, identical twins, and it's written in a novel fashion. And I'm thinking, yeah, this is never going to sell. So... My practice is to take a stack of uh, book proposals down to Starbucks where I can concentrate without the phone ringing and go Well, that's a good place to go, yeah, have your coffee and read the books. <laughs> exactly. And nobody talks to you, and, you know, you've got coffee and uh, pastry or something to, to you know, tide you over. It's great. So I was, I was there one Friday, and I was going through the stack, which her manuscript was in, and I get down to her manuscript, and I start reading it, and it's absolutely brilliant. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, I hope this isn't taken. It's probably been sitting on my uh, desk or behind my desk for three weeks by now. So I, I, uh, it's now late on a Friday, and I go back to my office. My son and I, my son has his own business, and he and I share an office uh, space ever since he started his. And uh, I went back, and I, I put it on his desk with a note on it saying, read this this weekend. Which I, you know, you have, uh, you know how easy it is to tell your grown children to do anything. Oh yes, uh, especially <laughs> read a whole book this weekend. Sure, uh, Dad, I'm going to well, do that, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that, that'll go. Yeah, that's going to work. He got in Monday morning before I did, and sitting in my desk, right in the center, was this book, this uh, manuscript with a huge note on it that said, "Buy this." So I did, and uh, it's it's it was. It, you know, it, was, it did not make the New York Times bestseller. At least it hasn't yet, but uh, it's certainly been a bestseller, and we've sold uh, the rights to it into 15 different uh, uh, languages. 
some countries where I questioned whether we were, you know, it was a good idea to let them uh, become more efficient because they were killing people, but uh, uh, <laughs> uh, we still did it. <laughs> they'll, they'll, <laughs> well, they'll, they'll, they'll use it for good purposes rather than, than bad ones. Right, right. Well, that uh, sounds Mark, like that Barnes would... And Noble promoted this book for a full year in their business section. I've never heard of them doing that except for maybe three or four other titles uh, and sold, sold tons of it. Wow. Wow, that is amazing in itself. Yeah, the title, I know... by the way, is if you want something done right, you don't have to do it yourself, since somebody was going to ask that. Uh-huh, right. <laughs> okay, so say that again. What is the title? If you want something done right, you don't have to do it yourself. It's written by a psychologist named uh, Donna Jeanette. Very good. It, it, Very it, good. If you, uh, if you have a job, this will change your life. That's fantastic. <laughs> that is fantastic. It, you know, it's, it's, it's a story. It's, it's amazing. Good. You, you know, I know that you talk at a lot of writers' conferences, and when you do uh, speak, you you talk about um, nine habits of published writers. And can you briefly tell us what those nine habits are, so that maybe we can all begin to make them our habits? <laughs> okay, that'd be a good idea. <laughs> I, I hope they're my habits. I'm not positive they are. Uh, uh, you know, it's, it's hard sometimes to establish good habits. You know, this started because I, I put together a book called The Portable Writers Conference, and I called 47 different experts on different fields of writing and asked them to write a chapter in this. And as I did that, I noticed, as I learned more about these people and these experts, I learned that they did certain things, that each of them did certain things, and these are the nine habits. And... Uh, uh, one of them, the first one is, is these these people who now these are people who are oft published. They're published oftentimes uh, over the years, either books or magazine articles or short stories or whatever it is they want. And I think every one of them develop a sense of what the marketplace wants. Um, if you want to publish for a readership, you're going to have to feed that readership what they're looking for. It's a huge, huge target. But if you decide to write about toenail clipping, uh, there's probably not a lot of people who want to read about toenail clipping. So you, you, you wouldn't be feeding what the marketplace wants. Uh, diet books are always popular, and there, there are other evergreens. Uh, but uh, the other thing is that writers who, that I wasn't paying very much uh, to, to put a chapter in this book. It was early in the publishing career. Um, but none of them asked me how much. And all of them did a fantastic job. And I think invariably, people who get published often always write their best. They never say, well, that's good enough for what I'm getting paid. Uh, or, you know, I'll do better next time when I have more time. Uh, mm -hmm. They invariably write their best. If they're writing a, a letter to their mother, they write a good letter to their mother. Um, and the number one problem, I think, or the, well... When I, many times I'll get a book proposal in where the person hasn't bothered to read the rules or to learn the rules, so he breaks them, and he breaks them in ways that he maybe is thinking is cute, but they're really just inappropriate and uh, ineffective. Uh, it's good to break the rules, but you have to know the rules first. So um, That's very true. Yeah, you, you need to know the rules, that's for sure. And, you know, following the rules... Uh, creates good prose. It's a, it's a good way to write. You don't have to break the rules. 
the great writers break the rules uh, to read them and watch uh, and watch what they do, and then break them uh, after you've learned them. Learn them. Uh, learn how to break them. And then, have you ever heard "Write What You Know"? Oh, absolutely. Advice for writers. Oh, absolutely. I, I think that what they're saying when you when they say "write what they know" is write what you're passionate about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you know about something, maybe it's your child or your job or uh, your hobby or something, that's what you're passionate about. So write what you're passionate about. That's when the writing really comes through. If you're really excited about something, uh, you're, you're going to write better about it. Uh, you might know how to take tolls at your toll booth job uh, very well, but you might not be very excited about it. But if you're a collector of uh, Butterflies uh, as your hobby, you're going to write passionately about collecting butterflies. Or if you're a novelist, passionate about whatever whatever it is you're passionate about as a novelist. Um, another one's. A, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Another one's a, a little bit um, um, technical, but the first thing that you write is called a lead. So the first sentence or two sentences is called a lead. And a lead brings the reader into what you're writing. And writers who get read regularly write strong leads. Uh, so go back and read the first part of uh, each chapter, uh, the first sentence or two in everything that you write, and make it grab the reader and bring the reader in to, to reading it. It, it, uh, it. It's really very, very effective. In the middle of chapters, novels or, or books, uh, when you transition to a new subject, write another lead, just like you were starting a new uh, uh, chapter, uh, so that the person once again gets draw, drawn into it. Uh, my book, uh, How to Write a non- uh, Fast Track Course on How to Write a Nonfiction Book Proposal, has more on what makes a good lead. Another thing that people do, the sixth thing, there's only nine, we'll be done in a minute, the sixth thing is that they make life easy for editors. Editors will call you again. They'll be thrilled when you pitch the second book to them. If you haven't made them work hard, and there's many ways you can make uh, editors work hard besides not not turning in a good magazine or a good article, I'm sorry, or a good novel. Uh, So make life easy for editors. Uh, The seventh thing is great writers. All these people that that, uh, wrote in the Portable Writers Conference are great readers. They carry books everywhere they go. They're reading all the time. Uh, you'll never be a great writer until you're a great reader. These other people also, these, these authors, they always, uh, uh, they were always learning their craft. They were always trying to fine-tune their writing, and they got better over the years. I've watched a number of them flourish uh, over the years. They've just done great. And then the last thing is, if you don't send it to a publisher, an agent, or a magazine, uh, even though you're getting all sorts of, of uh, rejection notices, you've got to continue submitting. Uh, you've got, you've just got to continue submitting. Uh, the Chicken Soup for the Soul series, which was so popular a few years ago, um, sold millions, millions of copies. Those, the two that wrote that series, or put that series together, approached 143 publishers before mm. they got a yes. Oh my gosh! What if they stopped at 142. Mm-hmm. So you've got to submit. You've just got to keep hitting and you know throwing, pitching until you get the hit, or swinging until you get the hit. Uh, so those those are the things that the off-published writers do. 
Well, I, I think that is so true. And those are wonderful habits, uh, you know, to always remember and to never give up. And I think a lot of people just say, oh, well, you know, nothing's happening. And so they just quit. And that's something yeah. that you just can't do. <laughs> you can't exactly. do Exactly. You know, if, I'm, if you write a short story and you send it into a magazine and your short story is about poodles, uh, and, and some woman who loves her poodle, and they've just done three stories on poodles. You may have great writing, but they're not going to buy the fifth or the fourth story on on uh, on poodles. There's lots of reasons you get rejected besides the fact that you can't write. Right, right, exactly. Oh. well, you know, Steve, we're getting near the end of the show, and I do want to ask you, what is next for Steve Matee? You know, I've I've started uh, research on a novel. This is my first novel, so it's a challenge for me. And believe me, it is. I don't know much about dialogue, um, or how to write dialogue, unless it was real dialogue, uh, on a first century uh, woman uh, who was Paul's companion, Paul, Paul of the Bible uh, history. First woman, uh, she, excuse me, she was his female companion on his travels. And, of course, even I was having lunch the other day with a priest, and I asked him if he'd ever heard of Thecla, and he, he, he hadn't. Uh, and of course, when I said, "Well, she was Paul's female companion," his eyes got bigger, and he just <laughs> I bet. He, knew that, he knew that was a myth. But <laughs> she actually is a saint in the Catholic Church, and uh, she was um, she's noted um, for uh, women's rights. And for in the fourth and fifth century, she was there was a huge cult, uh, a Thecla cult, uh, about her and her uh, her life. So um, I love that era. I love research, and I think that'll be that'll be great. Uh, How fun! Oh, it yeah. sounds exciting too. A little illicit stuff going on there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it Steve, is do, you, do you have a, an email where folks can reach you for help in getting their work published? You bet. Um, my, it's my last name: M E T T E E at therightthought.com and the right thought in this case is spelled the right part is spelled W-R-I-T-E that makes sense, right? therightthought.com and of course they can just go to therightthought.com and, and email from me, email me from there too if they'd like Excellent. Oh, thank you Steve so much for being my guest today and I it's really look fun. Yeah, I look forward to doing it again so let's do hey. this again and get more yep. information out there. So thank okay. you so much. Thank you. Take well, care. I'm, take care. Bye-bye. Seconds. And I'm Annette Martin, psychic detective and medical intuitive. You can find my website at annette-martin.com. Next week, my guest will be Beth Anderson, online magazine creator, CEO, and editor-in-chief of ChicGalleria.com. Until next week, this has been Annette Martin's Psychic World, produced and broadcast by Zeus Radio Network for HearWomenTalk.com. May the white light be with you.